0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get
1: ready to rumble! (laughs) Special technique of shadow boxing.
0: Yo, yo, what is up, what is up, what is going on, everybody? This is the July 12th, 2020 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, lead boxing analyst for uh, the CAC on sports, and the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You can catch us on YouTube by going on the YouTube channel uh, for the Boxing Source. You can also follow us on Facebook, go through the Boxing Source. We're also on Instagram, the Boxing Source. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Boxing Source 2. Number to dial in, 347-237-5539. Once again, 347-237-5539. Press the one key to get on queue. You'll be able to talk live on the show. Uh, we have a you know, fairly busy uh, podcast uh, tonight. Uh, we have scheduled for 8 p.m. Uh, former world champ Austin No Doubt Trout. So we're looking forward uh, for him to be coming on to the show, and uh, we're going to uh, rehash uh, some of the uh highlights that is um you know going on in the sport of boxing um particularly over the past few days um you know right now you know just uh like getting uh you know news notes reference to this um thing that just came down um it says that you know the one hundred and twenty six pound division has a little bit of a change Uh, as the champion, WBO champion at 126, Shagor Stevenson. Hmm. Uh, He vacates the title, the WBO featherweight title, and he is stated as number one contender at 130 pounds uh, there for the WBO. And You know, that's, uh, you know, one thing that, you know, was talked about ever since his, uh, you know, last fight uh, where he, you know, fought in Las Vegas. And, you know, he fought at 130 pounds and got the savage win uh, there in that particular bout. And they were talking about, you know, him moving up to the... Uh, junior lightweight or the, you know, super featherweight division. Um, And so now, you know, as of today, uh, that has, you know, basically become official. Now, kind of, you know, see that as being interesting given that, you know, he won the WBO title, you know, when it was vacated uh, by Oscar Valdez. Oscar Valdez moved up. And Stevenson won the WBO title. Uh, he was supposed to have a defense of that title on March 14th against Miguel Marillaga. Uh but uh, that fight that was scheduled for March 14th got uh, canceled. Uh, so, you know, he, you know, was uh, preparing for, you know, the fight uh, as the first top rank card and the main event on that top-ranked card over in the bubble in Las Vegas. And he was able to, like I said, uh, win uh, that. Um, and, you know, once he won that at 130, he, it was only a matter of time before they made it official that he was moving up 130 pounds now. Kind of see that as being interesting on two fronts. Number one, him going up to 130 is uh, a follow-up to, you know, basic announcement that the WBO champion at 122 is moving up to 126. Uh, so it seems like a lot of these uh, fighters are, you know, having the consideration of moving up and then moving up. Uh, so, you know, you had Emmanuel Navarrete who had you know, his uh, multiple defenses of the WBO junior featherweight title, or light featherweight title. And he will now, you know, compete for the vacant title vacated by Chagor Stevenson. A top-rate contender in the WBO rankings is hmm, Mick Conlon. Okay. Um, so uh, you could have uh, Mick Conlon uh, there against Manuel Navarrete for the vacant belt. Right. We also had in one of the uh, top-ranked cards Jesse Magdaleno, who was a uh, you know a guy that was ranked in the top five in the WBO. He's also ranked very high in the WBC. So he was being considered as a contender for the WBO title. But now with Navarette saying he's moving up to 126. Shakur Stevenson's And he's up to 130 You now May have a little thing With Emmanuel Navarrete Against Or it's Mick Conlon For the vacant WBO belt know if that If that If that becomes official I don't know about Mick Conlon man I don't know if he can do it I don't know man Sorry but I'm not quite Sold on Now Going back to Shakur Stevenson right? So Shakur Stevenson being a former WBO Featherweight champion moving up to one thirty. He becomes the number one contender for the WBO tribal at one thirty. Champion at one thirty, the Marine, Jamel Herring. Now Jamel Herring is scheduled to be fighting. On the card this coming Tuesday, right? Yeah. Now, uh, you know him. Uh, he's going to be having a defense against Jonathan Akendo. You now, before this whole thing went down, you know, starting at the beginning of this year, it was setting up Jamel Herring to fight Carl Frampton in the defense of that WBO title. Now, you might have. Jamel Herring going up against Shakur Stevenson for that WBO belt. Now, that, now I don't know about, now listen, I don't know about all that. Now, they're going to, you know, set that up because um, we'll see if that, you know, ends up happening. But, you know, my thing is, uh, you know, they had the thing set up for, you know, Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton to fight each other. Um, and the thing about it is is that, you know, with, with that being said, you might have Shakur Stevenson have a fight, uh, coming up, you know, at 130, another fight at 130, uh, where he's, you know, more, um, acclimated to the weight and, you know, working, you know, working out, trying to get down to that particular weight. And it kind of seems like it's, you know, fairly um, convenient because you got Oscar Valdez, who was inserted as the number one contender, pretty much locked down to fight Miguel Burchell for the WBC Super Featherweight title. So they could go ahead and they could have Shakur Stevenson there in number one in the WBO and Oscar Valdez number one in WBC. So... You could have those two fights, they could probably set that up with a header maybe, you know, have uh, Oscar Valdez versus Miguel Burchell and Jamel Herring against Shakur Stevenson. But like I said, I don't think Shakur Stevenson is going to go right in there and have this fight against Jamel Herring for that super featherweight title. Uh, he may end up uh, fighting someone like a Masayuki Ito while Jamel Herring still has this fight with Carl Frampton uh, to defend that world title. Um, you know, like I said, he, Jamel Herring had his mandatory defense against Lamont Rhodes Jr. a while back. Now he's uh, setting up to fight who was, uh, at this time, the number 11 ranked contender in the WBO rankings in Jonathan Nakendo. So uh, that is going to be... Um, Yo, a little bit of news there as good amount of movement is happening within the weight classes of one twenty two, one twenty six, and one thirty. Um said like um for the thing here for Shakur Stevenson it says like on July seventh, Shakur wrote to the WBO to notify that sanctioning body that he was having serious difficulties making the divisions one hundred and twenty six pounds Limit, uh, and that is through the WBO. WBO made uh, is making this uh, statement because of this, you just have to move up and wait and request it to be ranked in the junior lightweight division where Jamel Herring is the current WBO ruler, right? So, that is you know going to be the move, uh, there. So we're going to see, like, um, you know, what's going to happen in those rankings. Like I said, you you have, you know, Emmanuel Navarrete, you know, there as super bantamweight champion, but he made his announcement to move up to 126. So that so that is, you know, basically vacated, and then now you have. Shakur Stevenson uh, vacating his uh, belt at 126. Um, so uh, we're going to see what happens here on that. Um, got a uh, caller in here from the 202 area code. Uh, what's going on? You're on the Boxing Source Radio Show, man. What's good?
2: What's going on? This is world rank checking. in. what's going on, fellas? World
0: rank. What's good with what you, man?
2: You know, just living a dream, man. Checking the show out.
0: True, true, man. Uh, I mean, we have, you know, our guests uh, coming in scheduled for, you know, 8 8 p.m. So, you know, right now, you know, going through some news and notes and, you know, recent news of, uh, you know, Shakur Stevenson making it official to uh, move up to uh, 130 pounds and vacating the 126 title buff that he has. So, uh, there's a good amount of movement uh within
2: one twenty two and one twenty six uh here over the past few weeks yeah man it's a uh i don't know if it's a surprise or not but it's uh i don't i don't even know if it's a good move a bad move i'm not too sure what to think of it it's uh it's kind of surprising you know top rank got all these fighters in that in these divisions from twenty six and thirty you got your your Collins, your Stevensons, your Bert Schultz, your herrings um, but they're not fighting each other man so it's um it's quite strange the way that the movement is and these guys um big names and uh, people who they consider the top of these divisions, but they're not fighting each other and they're under the same banner <laughs> yeah. i
0: mean i mean you you had this thing here with um You know, first, to me, it was the thing with Emmanuel Navarrete. And even though you had Shakur Stevenson as part of the first fight card that was featured on the top rank, and he was fighting at, like, 130-pound limit at that time, they didn't really quite say that he was going to stay there full time at 130 pounds. But when they had the fight with Navarrete, when he came in, Uh, at a featherweight limit, they were like, yeah, he's going to move up. He done had, like, you know, five or 50 defenses of that WBO title. So, they're like, you know what, he's going to go ahead and move up to 126. And so, you know, with him, you know, making that move to move up to 126, and and I I find it interesting that, you know, Shakur Stevenson is – you know, moving up to 130 because, you know, number one, he was, like, working up his up the ranks at 126 to become the number one ranked contender for that WBO title. And he was slated to fight Oscar Valdez. But then Oscar Valdez, you know, was going to move up. And so he moved up and, you know, that that kind of, like, threw things off a bit.
2: Yeah, I, it's a, just a lot of movement without these guys fighting. And I think it's I think it's odd because Stevenson was the champ at 26, but you see, you see Navarrete, like you said, Navarrete moving up. But you also see who's at number one, and that's uh number one in the WBO rankings, and that's Mick Collin. And I feel like I personally feel like there was something promised to Stevenson on some end at one thirty, promised him a big fight or some important fight to kind of get. Neverate and and Colin in that in that in that battle for uh the vacant belt. I personally think they really want Colin in that spot because what he presents on, you know, uh St. Paddy's Day and his Olympic background and I think they kind of did all that to kind of not have Stevenson face him or Neverotte which I think not necessarily a crime. It's just, you know, you got all these guys, good fighters on these banners, and they not, you know, they just taking belts and uh, not really fighting each other. And then the other thing is, it's just like, I don't know how the business aspect work of it, but you got three other champions in the division. I get the Warrington fight. Couldn't be made for whatever reason. You got Gary Russell there. You got whoever the WBA champ is. It's just like these promoters aren't even considering outside fights they're not even trying to work for these guys to make meaningful fights. It's just like, we're going to keep it in-house. If we can get you the 130 belt, we'll just move you up. If we can get you the 126 belt, we'll move the 122 guy up. It's just a lot of movement, but no real fights. Yeah, it's
0: crazy uh, how that whole thing works out. So, you know, how they have all of those guys' positions, particularly in the WPO, but like I said, they're not really fighting each other. And I found it interesting in reference to Mick Conlon because, you know, Mick Conlon was uh, someone that would have been featured in a fight himself, uh, like I said, on St. Patrick's Day or whatnot. But, you know, that was going to be in the same venue that Shakur Stevenson was supposed to have his uh, title defense. But that got canceled as well. And we really haven't, you know, heard much about what his next fight's going to be. But he's still, you know, set up as the top contender for that WBO title. Um, uh, Real quick, I mean, I think we have um, uh, who is supposed to be on here uh, from the 575 area code. What's going on? What's up, y'all? Yo, Charles, what's good with
3: you? Hey, man, I'm chilling, bro. How y'all doing?
0: Oh, I'm doing good, man, doing good. Yo, uh, glad to have you on here. Once again on the Boxing Source Radio show. Um, I know that, you know, you're kinda of like taking it easy out here in this hot summer. I know, I know it's like real hot and whatnot. But, you know, still, you know, taking it easy and uh, you know, staying cool out
3: there. Yeah, I'm trying I'm in the desert, so you know, I live in New Mexico. These summers ain't no joke.
0: Yeah, and you know, for me, you know, even if I like was out in Vegas around those summer months, I know that well I ain't even going outside until
3: you know until like know. until
0: like eight or nine PM. You know? So it's like yeah. yeah you might as well, you might as well stay inside and you'll will be uh burning you'll be burning up eggs and bacon out in the street.
3: <laughs> and yes, sir. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. It always makes oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: It. Well, of course. question. Uh, before uh you know, we get into like try to get hands, which is
1: um, what to, the you know, get you know, any a uh, little bit of updates on you know your
0: status as far as like you know where you're trying to be at uh, in the boxing game. Know that the last time that we spoke, you we were you know aiming to be. At
3: the 147 pound division, so I wanted to get a little bit more on that, and then I had some for for that too. Yeah, no, I'm still planning on on to continue to fight 147. Uh, last fight I made 149. Right now I'm walking around like 165, so you know I'm, I'm honestly closer to 147 than I would be to 154 at this time out for fight. I don't have any. Schedule right now, you know, really thought COVID permitting, but um, who knows when it really be um, safe to really get back. But I'll be ready. I'm training. I'm, I'm keeping my my weight down, keeping my endurance up, and I, I'm definitely still planning on making that that, that shift to one forty seven. Oh yeah, without question, without question. Now, you know, in, in the last uh, you know, fight, you
0: know, that you had. There against uh, uh that was like on that um impact network and Correct. I think I've seen like recent news that they're you know looking to have um you know boxing back on that on that network uh here pretty soon um on you know in different locations um you know so maybe uh you know you could get involved in something like that uh They were talking about you know Las Vegas, um, Detroit, something like that. Um,
3: Absolutely, anywhere I could fight, anywhere they let me fight, you know what I mean? In any shape or way, I would do it, long as it's safe.
0: Yeah, they said like um like Las Vegas, Detroit, Chicago, and uh, you know spots in Florida too, maybe so. Uh, That's something that you know be on the lookout for to see if you know they can position you in there uh, for that. Um, Now, wanted to you know also get into the thing there at one forty-seven. Now, I think it was a few weeks ago you kind of called out a uh, certain fighter uh, for a fight at one forty-seven, and that is uh, Amir Khan, um, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yep yeah, I sure did I called a few I was calling them all out But yeah Khan, I figured it was a He needs a fight He needs uh, He needs to get back In the ring, column You know I need a fight I, you, We use each other's names And you know I was I was picking For it to fight To be on The part Of Fury of Joshua 2021 um, But you know Not much tracking Has came with that And again You know COVID from I I didn't necessarily expect it. we're all just speculating on when we could actually get a fight like that to happen. So uh yeah, Miraclown is I think it a great fight for me. Uh, as with Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, I would love to fight Agent Bonner right now. Uh, I, there's I just so many names in forty seven. You know, from top you could hear that goes to mix with Yeah,
0: yeah, like you were saying there that the, uh, Keith Thurman uh, Adrian Broner's out there, Mir uh, Khan. There's a lot of a lot of guys that are out there. at one forty-seven, um, Tom Porter and things like that. Um, I Think I brought uh, something up to reference the, a fight at one forty-seven, but I'm not sure because because this person also has to come down a little bit because he kind of gained a, a little weight, um, so to speak. Um, and that is uh, Maurice Hooker. Uh, He's now campaigning at 147 pounds. Uh, there, so what about your thoughts on that,
3: man? Let's make that. I was I was actually hoping to see that Maurice Hooker Regis Pro gate fight. Um, wait, I'm a I man. You know me. I, I want to smoke all the time. So if that's a man that can get me to a title shot, why not?
0: Yeah, cause I mean, you know, that would be a good, you know, good little matchup there. Um, you know, 147 and and you know that would be something that I think you know you you would you know take without no no issues there. Um, let me see if uh, got like another uh, caller uh, joining in uh, from the two hundred five area code. What's going on? You're on the Bison Source Radio Show with Austin, no doubt Trout. Oh,
4: okay, I came in a great time. What's going on, fellas? This is Mike Grady calling out of Atlanta. Uh yeah, you love look. talking with you, Austin man. Uh I guess I'll talk with you again. I, I didn't I didn't check the show details. I just uh decided to tune in for the first time in a the, in the minute now.
3: Welcome back, man. <laughs>
4: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. What y'all talking about today? Yeah, well we got uh you know,
0: yeah, we got uh trout here, you know, he's campaigning at one forty seven. Um I have like another particular topic uh to bring up with him about Because uh, this was something that was uh, requested from, you know, a frequent uh, listener of the show. Uh, but you know, with um, you know Austin Trout campaigning at 147 pounds, uh, we're trying to you know get him you know a good little pass so that he can contend for a world title there at 147
3: pounds. He just brought up an interesting matchup: Trout versus uh, Maurice Hooker. Uh, oh wow! I like that. You know, that piqued my interest a bit. Um, I need I need some money, I need to give me a belt from it, because that's a, that's a good fight, you know, I need something from it, but I would love to make that happen to further my career. Not yet,
0: because, right, yeah, cause, well, I mean, my thing is also is, you know, how they're having, you know, these uh, fight cards out right now, Um, as far as, like, fights with either, you know, no crowd or very limited crowd. Um, I think they had, like, uh, something where uh, fights were on CBS Sports Network the other day, and that kind of, like, you know, went through uh, fairly well. But we've had the things on ESPN for the past few weeks or so. um, Doing more, you know, more fight cards are starting to, you know, um, start up uh, here within the next few weeks. So, you know, once that – you know, once that gets to be more frequent, then we get to see more of these matchups at uh, 147 pounds to, you know, come together and, and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, that's why I was, like, saying about, you know, any particular matchups that, you know, we could put you in and say, you're like, hey, this would be a, you know, good good opportunity here for Austin try to get in there and to get into the, um, you know, box, the rankings at 147 pounds then later on down the line contempt for a world title.
4: Does it make sense? Um so I understand with the smaller fights uh that, that that can happen let's say with no crowd, but let's say an Austin Trout Maurice Hooker fight, would would that make sense financially to have it without a crowd because of the you know, the extra Funds that come to 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 pay you guys to pay for the lights and all that stuff that come
3: with the crowd, or or uh, what do you think about that, Austin? Well, you know that's a, that's gonna up to the promoter. You know, is it works for them? I'm like, I'm gonna get my check regardless if it's there <laughs> it or not. <laughs> <You> know, he's <laughs> up to the promoter. If he takes an L, that's not on me.
1: <laughs> that's real. That's real.
3: That's real, man. <laughs> But, you know, to be honest, like, I would love for a fight like that to be in front of a crowd. Like, you know, that's a good fight. And then the energy that would be missing in a crowd's position, you don't get me wrong. I'm down to do it. Just, of course, a fight like that matters Or any fight that, you know, major fight, for real, um, it's going to be weird without the crowd. Uh, I don't know if you get guys caught the UFC. uh, Was it Saturday last night? You know, that's, that that could have been, it should have been a great fight, but it wasn't. I don't know if maybe the crowd has something to do with it, because they probably would, you know, put some pep in these step.
1: Yeah, what Dude. fight
3: was that, in? Uh, that uh, uh, my Oh, okay. Yep, yep. But yeah. But I think boxing doesn't need to
1: do I'll something. Because
3: like boxing needs it. I mean, when there's a boy... And um, I'm glad that they got, you know, the fights on ESPN and even the, the what's that, BT Sports, uh, giving us some regular fights. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah, Impact could get sports, in the game, yes, well, you yes, know, with some low-level fights.
4: Yep. hmm
3: Yeah,
0: that BT Sports, CBS Sports Network has something. But, yeah, the thing, you know, with uh, you and Mario Sucker, it seems like a an bad idea. And I'm like, you know what? They would have had Maurice Hooker fighting over at the MGM National Harbor over this way in the Washington D.C. area. So why don't we have Maurice Hooker come back to you know Washington D.C. or the MGM National Harbor against Austin Trout? Let's 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 put that fight together. Let's make it happen. MGM National Harbor. We could have it. Austin Trout, Maurice Hooker, put it on this own. Let's 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 do something. <laughs>
3: Man, I, I'm with Oh, in the zone they, uh, It's a wrap for them, ain't it? You probably have to be on BT Sports and, I know I'm
4: paying them $9.99 I'm, I'm about to cancel You just reminded me I'm paying them $9.99 I'm Yeah, man that <laughs> yeah, yeah, so get, uh, get that back <laughs> Yeah, yeah Get that back
3: Yeah Yeah, they haven't started You know, they
4: haven't
0: started this stuff up yet, man So uh they I don't think they have something for another what couple weeks from now, actually um you know their next uh little ordeal, so um yeah, that's gonna be something right there, but um just wanted to like you know get into it here you know at eight um so uh awesome you now you you had like mm-hmm. news that came down a couple of days ago in um, reference to a long-standing battle uh, with the World Boxing Organization. So uh, could you go into that uh, there, please?
3: I mean, I can talk a little bit about it, but, of course, it's an ongoing open case as it is, and, you know, there's things that I can and can't talk about. But uh, mostly the facts, facts of the matter, is that years ago, years ago, man, like this is the fifth year that we're fighting this joint. Uh, the WBO wrongfully took me out of the rankings With no rhyme or reason. Um, a world title fight happened that I should have been in due to my ranking. Uh, so they, you know, they basically screwed me out of a, of a title shot. Uh, and the, the title holder eventually went on to fight Canelo. You know, so, you know, the possibility of me having a rematch with Canelo is what I feel like has been taken away because of this wrong to do. Uh, The thing that is most important about this case is that most people would not be able to fight this case for this long. Uh, I think this started, like, 2015. And all the changes, of jurisdictions, and and all the extra... uh, Depositions and things like that Um We finally got to a point And you know Had to do an appeal Of the Supreme Court And now we're at a point Where we finally Will possibly get to go And do a trial And then I say finally possibly Because you never know man You know These lawyers They're going to try to Stretch it out Longer If, if they can And So we, I mean, we're just ready For the next fight You know We had a good win In the appeals court We don't want to go to Arbitration The arbitration We've been fair the Supreme Court felt that was fair as well. So like, now we get to go back and either get a fair um, arbitration panel or we get to finally go to trial. You know, that's that kind of basically, uh, in a nutshell, what, where are we at? But winning when when that, that case in the Supreme Court will help fighters out in the future. They will forever be able to cite trial versus WBO whenever the arbitration, it seems shady and shaky, which it always is. So, that in itself is uh I think is a major win. But you know, we ain't done yet. We ain't done fighting. We got we got a ways to go. If it's up to the to, to the opposing council, we have a long way to go. You know, if it's up to me we'd be able to finish this tomorrow.
0: Mm, That's gotcha. yeah, because um you know, like you said, with it being a long, long, you know, standing uh battle back and forth, usually and when it gets to this particular point, you know, a lot of people kinda of like have cases dropped because they're not able to, you know, keep up with you know keep up with the courts keep up with the lawyers and all that type of stuff. But I mean you know that, you know, with with this particular case, this is, you know, something that's groundbreaking as far as like, you know, protecting the the fighter. Um in one sense right. because they gotta be able to be you know, as forthcoming or as transparent as possible. And, you know, in this particular instance, they weren't forthcoming as to the moves that they made in order to, you know, place someone above you in the rankings without no, you know, merit, you know, without anything happening whatsoever, you know? So, right. you know, With that right. being, you, know, you know, with that being said, that's why it's like, yo, hey, how are you going to have this person up here above me? And they ain't even did anything to get to that particular spot. So that's like, hey, I'm supposed to be at that spot. I'm due a world title shot. And y'all basically owe me a title shot. And since y'all didn't, you know, follow through with that, man, I'm going to have to go after y'all. And that's basically what exactly. it was.
3: That's what it was. And, and it was like, mm-hmm. look, right, you have a chance to make the right. To, to right the wrong and you know they want and I, I think they just believed that I was just gonna you know throw a little drop in the hat, make a little noise in the media with the lawsuit and then fizzle out once they drug it out but you know I'm uh, I'm too far deep in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I'm going all in. And uh you know I got the means to fight them for a while, so Yep, yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, you know, that's the you know that's the thing on this where um you you basically you know come through them if you know you'll, you'll have this thing and you win and it like it'll be big big news all across the board and in, in this instance I mean in this instance you know um all the thinking
3: body is gonna have to move differently after this yep
0: yep yep because I mean we had like only uh, I think it was like one other instance where they. Uh, you know, we're, you know, a boxing uh, organization, um, you know, had had to basically pay off for fire uh, because of, you know, basically the same situation. So I think that happened in like 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, now it's like, you know, you were, you know, building building yourself up, at, you know, in the WBO rankings and, you know, you know had win after win after win um, in, in that series. And then from that you would do to, you know, being at the, you know, the top spot and they, you know, didn't necessarily get that to you. So that's a, you know, that's an no, no. issue,
3: right? Yeah. That's exactly what happened man. So, you know, we we of let that fly. Mm-hmm. And my, my lawyer down in Puerto Rico, um, they are monsters, you know, very, very smart. They know boxing. They know the law. Um, so, you know, they're going to be able to slam dunk uh, this whole case. It's just all about playing the games that, you know, they're going to try to make you play. Yes,
0: yeah, you know, knowing how to, you know, position yourself in, in the right spots uh, there in this particular instance. But, you know, like I said, as far as, like, you know, staying. Staying on top of these people because you know if you don't you know if you don't do that then they'll basically find a way to you know dismiss the case and and then
3: watch they're and gonna do what the they want yeah. right they're gonna do what they want and it's very similar to to the situation with kind of the police in America it's like you you're gonna tell me you that you're gonna investigate yourself and you find yourself clear of all charges that's how that works or well, like we need to hold everybody accountable that's supposed to be serving us. You know what I'm saying? These sanctioning bodies going to be nothing without the fighters. And in fact, the only reason why they are anything is because whatever fighter won that belt captured the hearts of the people that made that belt something. You can't tell me any belt that wasn't something without the fighter. You know what I mean? If, if Floyd Mayweather was the, you know, well, maybe not Floyd now, if Canelo Alvarez was the, to come up with the uh, ABC belt, and flaunt that that sucker, you know, proudly, everybody's going to want that belt. And so, like, you know, the fact that the fighters seem to be the last on on the list of protection from the safety of the bodies, it's backwards. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way that, you know, this particular stage, somebody, you know, did this thing here, you know, after, you know, you had your fight with Joey Hernandez, and... You know, you were able to. You know, you took them out there in a the six. So it's like you had. You know, that's like your. You know, that fourth consecutive win. You know, up to that particular point. And and then, like you said, they they pretty much just had. You know, Liam Smith fighting for the vacant belt. Like what? I'm like how does that work, man?
3: Yeah, for real. I was active and I was on a winning streak, and they took me out the rankings with no. And in according to their rules, and also according to the Act, you have to inform. Uh, the fighter before you take them out the rankings, and then you know I had no, there was no prior. Uh, they didn't tell me they was gonna take me out. They didn't tell me why.
0: Yeah, that that was you know didn't make any, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, you know for for them doing that, and then they just you know go ahead and you know put that thing in position for him to. You fight like like who in the weapon world of sport like he had a fight who like who John Thompson like <laughs> yo wait a minute now who that? <laughs> it was the coach for Georgetown man like come on wait a minute.
3: Right, he was playing. It seems like he was playing. So
0: so so the, the way they pulled that is and like they should have had. You fighting Smith for mm-hmm. the vacant title. What they Correct. did was they had him fight Thompson, who was ranked below they, you.
3: They threw me out the rankings. I was nowhere in the yeah. rankings. And they flew Thompson in from like 14th all the way up into my spot, and then they let him and, and Smith fight for the title. And then when we said like, "Yo, what the hell?" And they're like, "Oh, whoops!" And then threw me back in at like six or seven. Nah, nah. yeah that
0: yeah that didn't make no sense whatsoever for them to, for them to like just completely skip you because usually with you know the rules of vacant titles or anything like that they basically just go down the rankings one two three four five it's not one two three five eight <laughs> I you, like they can doing all that <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, yeah. I, and and, and, and to be
3: honest, what? I wasn't ranked number one or even two. I think I was ranked number three. But it was Canelo that was ranked number two and Cotto that was ranked number one, and they were fighting each other for the middleweight WBC belt. So that put me at number one when mm-hmm. that, that title went And I believe yeah. it was Demetrius Andrade that had the belt, and then, you know, he because he, of inactivity, he was stripped. Right. And then right after yeah, they so, stripped him, like right after they stripped me, him they pulled me out.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. They yeah, pulled you out. I think um, well, before I uh, have eight one three uh, come in here. I think I can pull up right. He's there for WBO round. Yeah, that twenty fifteen time when it was vacant, and they had Canelo there at one. That uh, they had like Michelle Soro. At number two, then they had BP Smith at number three, and you at number four, and then Coach John—I mean, excuse me, man—John Thompson there at number five. Like, and I'm like, wait, like if Sorrell's not available, then it's the next two guys that are ranked to fight for the vacant That's title. That's right. So it's in Liam Smith versus Austin Trout. So you can't like remove anyone completely out of the rankings. Like, there's only one way. Well, actually, two, uh, for me, two ways that they get removed off the rankings. One, they're moving up, or actually more than that. Either they're moving up, they're fighting for another world title, or they've basically been you know, tested positive for PED, so they're removing them from the rankings and suspended them. But that's not the case in, in this instance in any sense, form, or fashion. So you should have been fighting Liam B. Smith for that vacant WBO title. Have, right? Instead of, uh, like That's I said. <laughs> All right, uh, 813, uh, you're on uh, with Austin No Doubt Stroud here on the Bison Source Radio Show, man. What's
1: good? Hey, what's going on, Jay? What's going on, Austin? You good?
3: Yeah, man. I'm good, man. How you doing?
1: We had you on the show before. Uh, we
3: definitely talked to you numerous times
1: and covered your career uh, at length. Uh, and it's kind of funny. You look at it at, at this point now. You are one of the few fighters that's actually had a fight this year. <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> you, <you've, laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny. The last the last several years, uh, well, period, no one thought that they, they would be in, in the positions that they are right now in England for the next fight. So for all those people that have fought this year, the Gary Russell Juniors of the world, people like that. Uh, look how many fighters do not have a fight as as of yet this year, and we're at the midway point of the year already. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not through no fighters' fault. We already know it's because of the current conditions with the COVID-19 outbreak, things like that, uh, yeah. which makes us even more thankful for the fight bubble out in, in Vegas that ESPN's holding with top rank. Everyone's thankful for that. Uh, even, even surrounding sports, uh, even like MMA, uh, is encouraging people to to look forward to sports coming back in that sense. But uh, once again, just glad to have you back on the show and definitely want to get your perspective in regards to what's going on with you uh, with the Muhammad Ali Act, things like that. And the the one thing I want to, to kind of focus on, and just to get your opinion on, boxing has been, uh, quote-unquote, unregulated sport for, for, for years. As, and what I mean by that, there are no boxing leagues. Like you have the NFL, yeah. NBA, things like that. No organization. So basically, you got everything out there for himself. Uh, but as you look at the current landscape right now. PBC, top rank, uh, goes on and on. And typically, uh, Golden Boy, things like that. And typically, we have a, a promotional firm will align themselves with a the network. And, I mean, you can go back stories on stories and stories where uh, judges being bought off, bad decisions, uh, boxes being ripped off. Boxers getting kicked out like in your stuff, like they're out of the ranking, and not just mm-hmm. a Bobby so, and things like that. I mean, I mean, it's so like I always say one thing is in my in my uh, reference, only in boxing <laughs> do you see all this this stuff this type of stuff happening. Only in boxing, and you, and you guys can both test, uh, testify to that. But I mean, it's <laughs> like, but how would you possibly make a boxing league equivalent to like a, a NFL? Uh, NBA or NHL or something like that. It's kind of hard, but I mean, but in in because we don't have that, you got so much room for ambiguity and so much room for just straight straight up bullshit going on, and which is happening in boxing for years. And yeah. thank God, uh, yeah, thank God they formed the uh, Muhammad Ali Act. I think it's back in 2006, and just to uh, have all that reform come down in boxing because there's so many people were just getting just treated unfairly. And unjustifiably so, but like I said, even now, uh, you know, you you really can't make a boxing league because everyone's in for itself and bottom line, boxing is a business. So you can't just say, hey, this is a boxing league. Who's going to be commissioner? I mean, there's going to be so much bias in in trying to make something like that happen. And and even just going back and forth now with the landscape, the WBO, WBC, interim title, uh, email title via Devin Haney, things like that. I mean, it's so much crap that goes on in boxing, where we have multiple multiple champs within one division, with one belt, one WBC. I mean, and, and the story goes on, and once again, only in boxing, which
3: crazy. Yeah, how did though. Only in only in this game uh, will, will Congress put something like the Muhammad Ali Act, and only in boxing has it ever. It's never been. Enforced. No one's ever been able to enforce the Muhammad Ali Act. No one's even been to trial, let alone won the trial, for citing the Muhammad Ali Act until the other day. You know, we finally, I mean, it really was just an appeal, but you know, it, but forever they'll be able to cite, you know, trial versus the WBO. Yep.
0: Yep, they'll be able to, you know, bring that up as a point of reference uh, there, you know, just like, you know, a lot of these cases, you know, bring up, you know, previous things as an example, you know. So, you know, that's, you know, something that, you know, makes this, you know, a big victory in in one sense, but the complete victory isn't, I mean, the victory isn't complete until they give you the, the full win, you know. So right now this is like step one on it. But now we got to get to step two and yeah. get them to say, hey, this is – the judgment has to be like the WBO is wrong on all facets. Y'all owed, you know, Austin awesome Child the title shot at this particular point in time. And this, you know, because of that, you know, you cost, you know, Austin awesome Child this amount and whatnot. So you should – you have to award him this amount of money, you know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but hopefully this could be the game changer, you know. This could be the one that makes everybody clean up. Uh, the thing that I don't feel like a league would ever work is because, you know, you're going to need – it's really it's going to be up to one entity in the game to start its own league. Um, like, if, you, if you're waiting for everybody to come together to have their own type of league, I don't think that will ever work. Uh, you know, there's too much bad blood in this game. Uh, boxing is, is uh, stems from from clicks, and, and you know one person that wants to rule it all type deal, nobody else can get in. Um, but if someone was able to to start a, a league, so to speak, one that caught on and like gained a whole bunch of momentum and fire, I think that's when everybody would put everything aside to make that money and you know jump in the league. So it would have to be a big success first started by one person.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't necessarily have something like the, uh, like, how they have, like, a World Series of Boxing, you know, they they have that for a little bit, but you can't, like, have it, you know, large scale, um, because, like you said, there's too many clicks, or there's too many clubs, and You ain't part of that club that you ain't going to get in on anything.
3: So you have have
0: all of these different, you know, sections and factions and whatnot. And so you can't have like a commissioner overseeing everybody else. It's not like, um, you know, like the National Football League or the National Basketball Association where you would have a commissioner over, you know, a set of, you know, teams or organizations. You can't have, like, one commissioner over like, – how, like, how would there be a commissioner over, like, a a Bob Arum or Eddie Hearn or or something like that? They wouldn't go for that. So No,
3: that's, this is fire. You know, <laughs> you
4: know so, yeah. How I, successful I was the tournament that, that Andre Ward won? How successful was the tournament that Andre Ward won? I mean, obviously it was a success, but, like, how – in terms of like money, public appeal, success, was it?
3: No, it was it was big. I think it, it was it was because because are you talking about his goosing contract he had that he ended up winning, getting out of.
4: Well, I mean, so y'all were talking about like um like a tournament or a league or something, and so I thought about the oh, tournament right. that uh, Andre Ward won that kind of put him on the mm-hmm. map when he beat you know um. Kessler and all the other people, um, how right. big? Do you, how successful do you think that was? And, and would that, if, so, you, if you did have the names that that was in a quotation marks tournament, would that drive, like, what you kind of, like, looking for?
3: Well, see, so the thing with Ward and that, that, that Super 6, it was a blessing and a curse. When he won and how easily he did, you know, he, like, almost right then and there established himself as a great, And, you know, and and is one of the GOATs. Um, But, unfortunately, every one of those fights that he had could have been huge fights. that Had they done just a little bit of building up, you know what I mean? Instead of going back to back to back to back, had, you know, a couple of um, bummy fights, tune-ups, and, you know, those could have been potential, all of them, pay-per-view fights. So I think he ended up losing Mm -hmm. a lot of money by beating up everybody right away. And remember, for a while, he had nobody to fight because he already beat up the best. And anybody that was coming up, you like, yeah, he's good, but he ain't messing with Ward. So he can mess with – it, it, it kind of hurt him a little bit where he ain't had nobody to fight for so long. And then finally, you know, we get the Eastern European, uh, Kovalev, uh that helps seal Ward's deal. If Kovalev never came around, you know, I don't know if, if he would have been able to go out on top as 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 heralded as he is. And not and not that he didn't have it in him. He just he wasn't able to prove it. He made everything look so easy. You know what I mean?
4: That's a good point. I was um when when he beat Chad Dawson the way he beat him, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, because you know Chad Dawson wasn't no easy easy fix for people. So no, um,
3: looking everybody it,
4: too. Oh man, but yeah, you're right. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's the gift and the curse behind it. I never. I never thought about it like that until until now.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is, um, you know, people uh, have um, you know those type of you know wins against those fighters, but you know after that, it was like okay, what what else is he going to do? You know, particularly there at super middleweight, there wasn't you know that many other uh, top fighters there in the super middleweight division that he could fight, and so while he was going through the battle that he had with Goose, he was able to, you know, get out of that. And then once he got back, the basic thing that they were going to do was just have him set up the fight at light heavyweight against Kovalev. And, you know, even during the back and forth that he had with Goose, he already knew then it's like, okay, by the time I get back, they hadn't really set me up with any type of fights in super metalweight. So, they're going to, you know, have me set up for, like, heavyweight against Kovalev. And after I win against Kovalev, then what? You know, they won't right. have anything else definitely right. home. So, he would definitely you know, he, so he, he, he was, you know, at a position where at super middleweight, he had already beat the top guys that were there at super middleweight. And the only thing that he could do in that particular division was either have a rematch against, you know, one of those other top guys, or have a fight against, uh, you know, Gennady Golovkin. And Gennady Golovkin didn't, you know, he didn't want it. So, that's why you know, not smart up to, like, heavyweight. You know?
3: Andre Ward would have stopped the Canelo fight for Triple G. Because he would have stopped Golovkin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he would, yeah, he would have ended up stopping him. as would have been too much for Yeah, he would have ended up, you know, giving up too much punishment for him. So... That's why, you know, that that fight was like, uh, it's staying completely away from that. You know, it's staying away from that. You know. So uh but like, you know, going back to, you know, you uh there Austin Trout, wanted to you know get on a couple of things uh here. Um I know that you know you you kinda like had um you know, a little bit of fun out there out and about, so like you know, how's it being out there with, with your family and all of that? uh over um where you're currently
3: at. In the, here in New Mexico, man, like, let me tell you I'm have I mean, been stuck with their ass for months. And <laughs> the state just locked <laughs> us back. Like we ain't they ain't no more traveling nothing. Um uh, in all realness <laughs> I'm blessed to be around them. as much as they get on my nerves and I'm getting on their nerves, we have more fun than we do uh problems. So, you know, it's, it's this this whole quarantine's really kind of brought us closer in the sense that, uh, you know, we have to deal with each other. She, they, you know, she, she had uh, like two months. My daughter's had two months of school that they didn't get to go to. So, you know, we have summer for about four or five months this year. And I'm like, man, I can't send them to no camps, nothing. So we're, it's forcing us to figure out what to do with each other. And to, uh, come to find out, my family is pretty dope. I like them. You know what I mean? We are... We can quit really well, so it, it that's the major blessing not being stuck with somebody you can't stand you know um and that's not my case,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's the you know thing there is you know when you have this um instance where you you know do have to stay home or you know be at home for an extended period of time, you get you know opportunity to connect more with your family you know or you know your your um you know, close um, people that that are around you. So you know, you get you know, build with them, and like you said, you know, get to know them a little bit more, and be able to bond with them a lot more. Um, in this particular instance, uh, you know, as, as long as they don't you know, irritate you a little bit too much, or uh, you know, I, I would say, uh, kind of sneak sneak away uh, with the quesadillas or something like that. So. Uh uh-huh. other than that you should you would be all good um right there. Um just saying here, uh two oh two World Rank, you still there with
3: us? Yeah, what's yeah. going on yeah. champ? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, fam. How you doing,
2: man? I'm doing all right. So I wanted to kinda of ask you about the, the move down to welterweight. Um Kind of tell me, because uh, I know you've been at one fifty four for a while. You won most of your your, uh, your belts there, and uh, you accomplished a lot at fifty four. Uh, talk about the thought process moving down the welterweight, and uh, just you know, looking at uh, previous history, uh, guys not faring well moving down the weight late, not late in their career, but you know, middle to late in their career, right. not faring well. Did that? Did that even went through your mind? I know you got your own thoughts and you know, you believe uh that you could be champ again and I know people believe that as well. It's just uh looking at past history from other, you know, your Roy Joneses and things like that. Was there any consideration uh standing at fifty four? And also the other question would be with the WBO ruling, uh let's just say they rule in your favor and they you know, and you guys come up with a solution that hey, we'll put Trout as a as a mandatory at fifty four. Would that uh, would that be an option you would still consider or how would you go about that?
3: Uh, that that definitely I have to talk and think about with my, with my uh, lawyers because, you know, the thing about it, <laughs> you think they're going to give me a fair shake at any fight that they have me? Yeah, yeah, we'll give you a title shot with, you know, whoever. And, uh, you know, I I wouldn't trust them to give me a, a, a solid nod if I won. So like, I don't know if I would even put myself at, at the mercy of their hands like that um, right. after winning a lawsuit, because, uh, you know, it's not just the opportunity loss. It's all the opportunities that they had to lose uh, from, from missing out on that WBO title shot, which I feel like I definitely would have win. And, you know, that led to the winner that, that they'll get in a Canelo fight. Now, I would have had a rematch with Canelo, which would have been ten times bigger than a Liam Smith Canelo fight. Um, so, you know, this is – those are all those different opportunities. Now they can say right now, okay, cool, you you get the you get a shot at, at Terrence Crawford forty seven. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, um, yeah, maybe. But I don't trust y'all. You need to give me a fair shake if I do when, when I do beat Terrence Crawford. So yeah, I, I don't know if I even take that. Hey question for so you.
1: No <laughs> Hey sorry about that, uh, two o two. Hey, just real quick, so in in regards to the, the the threat that you just spoke on in the event that you win your case and things like that. <laughs> that's, that's the question. Is there any fear of you being blackballed? And, and just to give a quick example, we look at uh, Colin Kaepernick in a different, different uh, sport. We know that, but we see how he's been treated. Uh, no offers, uh, ball just, I mean, just pretty much black sheep at this point. Do you fear that as well?
3: No, nah, I don't fear it, because you look at the end of the day, Colin Kaepernick ended up winning. He got the lawsuit. He got, um, you know, I, I believe a team picked him up at the end of the day. He did it his way. I Man, you know, I'm going to stand on my way, and it's going to pay off. It may, it may, like I said, it's, not, it, it's cost me a lot. We've um, been fighting this for five years now. And, uh, like I said, I'm all the way in. We're just going to push it until, you know, there's nowhere else to go to justice is served and I'm getting what's due to me. Yep.
0: Yep. And you know, with with the uh, last thing that I mentioned in reference to you know, a previous win, um in a case similar to this, I'm like, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't like you know, be down with the WBO either. I know that there may be another thing that I could get, so I'd rather prefer that from the WBO instead of them, you know, you know, considering me to be in a position to, you know, have a world title shot because just, you know, even if they do put you in that position, that doesn't mean that they'll set you up in a fight for, you know, that world title, you know,
3: Um,
0: you know, and you know, depending on the relationships that these uh, boxing organizations have, they could, you know, say like, Hey, okay you know, Austin Trout is the mandatory contender for the WBO title, uh, but the WBO champion is, you know, not ready to face that mandatory yet. So we'll go ahead and we'll approve them paying yeah. the other side money for, you know, to fight somebody else and then keep doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like even if you do become a mandatory contender, that doesn't necessarily – I mean, that you have an immediate title shot uh, very soon or, you know, soon down the line in in that instance. So I'm like, there is probably an alternative that they could, you know, go forward with uh, after this case is, you know, said and done. But that's, that's something that we'll kind of talk about later on down the line uh,
3: there. Uh, but, yeah, because I definitely don't trust them to do the right thing as far as you know, by me. We wouldn't be in the situation if they, if they did. I don't put myself in a position where I need them to do right by me. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So yeah, once you you know win this case, you just you know move on and then uh, continue your professional career you know on on another direction outside of the thing with the WBO. Um,
3: yeah, there's other you know, belts. I like yep, the BC. Exactly. I ain't never had that one yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly that. So um, you know you could you know have that uh is other position there at um you know 147 or 154 you know, go for it. go for it with WBC title there in that instance so
3: you
2: know
3: yeah WBA IBF they even got a um like an R B G I don't remember know what it's called but it's plenty of titles yeah. out there I heard the WBA just made a new one called like the ordinary man belt. So, don't necessarily want that, but I'll take
0: it. Yeah, they have like a, you know, they have the super titles. They have the actual world titles. They have a the gold title. They got the regular they have the title. They have like, yeah, that's a whole, it's a good number of them, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I kind of like see it, you know, fairly interesting there, particularly in 154, because they still have Terrell they there ranked in the top 10 in the WBA. And I'm like, hey, you uh, Oh, we had that fight with Trout, and Trout was getting them. So, like, what's up? You know, I mean, they they could you know position you to be in like you know one of those spots there, uh, whether it's at you know one fifty four or one forty seven or something like that. So, but you know, with you um, you know, you being there at you know at that particular instance um. I uh, wanted to see if he, you know, had, like, more uh, plans on this thing. But um, seemed like he had, like, uh, connection issues here. I'm going to see if uh, I could try to, you know, get him back on there because uh, it seemed like he had uh, dropped off. So I'm going to see if I could reconnect with him uh, here later on uh, down the line. But, um, you know, for the time being there, like, you know, we have, you know, him on and, you know, he was like – like he was saying – um you he know, was trying to get that you know win on the case there with the w b o and you know what i was uh you know was saying is like the last time that someone won a case of that magnitude uh they were like awarded um what was it about thirty five million dollars so if you know to Austinson try to wins this case i'm like yo, why would I even deal with the WBO as far as, like, positioning me to be in any, you know, part of the rankings? <laughs> Let me get that money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, I'd rather just, you know, have that happen. You know what I
2: mean? The only reason why I said that, though, is because the guy that you mentioned about the $35 million, he was reinstated as a champ. Because I thought, like, I know you go through yeah. the process, and I thought, you know, maybe... uh in addition to the monetary that comes with it, maybe they might say, "Hey, Austin Trout," or come up to some type of agreement to say Aust- Austin Trout will fight for the title by a certain date. Now, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. every, I'm not saying that this process always happens or even happens at all. I just thought that that might be something that may come up in addition to the monetary aspect of it. Yeah, that you
0: know, that might be the case uh, there. Zero able to three do five. do that um you know not sure you know what you know if that's going to you know end up happening with them but um you know we'll see i think he may um have had to you know cut out here uh real briefly but you know he got like a little bit uh here uh to get back on but yeah like you said i mean yeah that guy was able to you know have that shot of the world title even after the you know decision uh there between him and the w b c so uh this with the w b o then you know he might be able to you know kinda like get that you know himself, but it just depends on if it's gonna be you know back with um uh you know there at one one forty seven and one fifty four um so that's gonna be you know something that you know, we're gonna be looking out uh for in the next um you know, a few days or so. Um while I'm like working on seeing uh, what the status is with Austin Trout, I wanted to like revisit the um actual news with other news with the WBO and that is uh Shakur Stevenson moving up from one twenty six to one thirty, uh that sitting at one twenty six title. And you're gonna have like the one twenty two champion, WBO champ, uh Manuel Navarrete moving from one twenty two to one twenty six. Um so you might have that vacant title at uh one twenty six, you know, on the line between uh Emmanuel Navarrete and uh Mick Collin. Uh so anyone have uh, thoughts on that?
1: Hey, also uh what's that uh Mexican kid's name that fought this week on on the, one of the top rank cards? Wasn't that at one twenty six, right? He's the guy that beat the kind of flabby looking kids up and everything. Remember? No, nah, it was uh, it was one twenty two. He
2: talking about uh the guy that was just on ESPN, right? My bad, dude. My bad. My bad. Yeah, I think yeah that was uh, yeah I think it was uh yeah one twenty two uh, there. So um because you
0: also
2: but have, all of it, uh, but all of it tied together because Navarrete is moving up from 22 to 26, and then you got Stevenson from 26 to 30. So all of that ties in together uh, because that opens up so many spots in all in all three of those divisions. And
0: you know you have you know like you said the thing with top rank, you have the world champs there, uh, Jamel Herring. You have me fighting on Tuesday. You have Miguel Burchell. Yeah, you know, like I said, former one hundred and twenty six champion Oscar Valdez, you know, moving up to one thirty, you know, to have a fight against Burchell. Um and yo know, Stevenson's there, uh McComlin, Navarrete, Navaretti, um Magdaleno. I think that's probably who you're talking about. But that was like a few weeks ago. Jesse Magdaleno. Um yeah, all of those guys. And you know, like what Wank was saying earlier before we had our Austin Trout on was like they has all of these guys here at one twenty two, one twenty six, and one thirty, and none of them are fighting each other. You know, and that's gonna, you know, that's gonna have to come up to uh, ahead with, with these guys. They're gonna have to fight each other some at some point.
1: Well, question: Do you guys think that Jerkier Stevenson is immediately? Ready to fight mm-hmm. everyone at 126. You know, were talking about Herring, uh, Miguel Burkell. Uh, uh, I only want to throw Leo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 130. I mean, I won't even throw Leo Santa Cruz's name out there at this point. But you know, but um, is he? Is he know he's know. He's to to That's
0: the thing. I don't know if He's really. Like, what they um, is. I'm not getting that from you know, I'm not getting that from other peers that, that you know around him, you know, that you know, train where he trains at, as far as you know, with him and stuff like that. That like, they don't, they don't like say that he's like a
3: up like
2: that. You know, I'm actually crowning him, I'm crowning him like Javante Davis. I, I think this dude will be. Burchell is a good fight. I think that's the fight that's going to give him the most trouble at the weight. Valdez already kind of, kind of swiped him, so I don't think Valdez is really competition. I think Burchell at one thirty, to me, not including Javante. I don't know if he's staying in the division, but besides Burchell, I don't think there's anybody else better than Shakur. That's just my personal opinion. I don't see Heron being. I'm actually picking Heron. Heron to lose this weekend or this week, whenever he fights. But I don't. I don't think there's, there's anybody in the be. division. Yeah, you I got losing. Yeah, I think he's gonna lose. Um, but if he doesn't, Shakur is next because they said uh, by Shakur moving up as the champion, he's already number one for Heron, and I guess his fight this week is the optional defense. So the mandatory is gonna be next. So I got Shakur taking that belt. I I don't think it's gonna to be too much of, of of work because I I thought like I said in the last episode I thought Hearn barely got by Roach and I don't think there's comp I don't think there's the level I don't think there's the same level in terms of Roach and Stevenson. I think Stevenson is not so much better, but I think that's a it's a different level, right?
0: Yeah I mean yeah well, he's, he's on a different level than Roach, yes. You know, but like
2: but, but his that's what i like both and hearn was was the same level. I mean that fight was to me was was not an was not a easy fight for her and I thought it was fairly close.
1: <clears throat> well what <clears throat> well wait, question for question for you. So Shakir Stevenson is out here sitting at fourteen oh 8 KOs He's now going up in the division, and granted, hes very young in his career at this point. So it was not and I had that career-defining fight as of yet, right? So it's, for me, it's kind of like I don't want to forecast him that high at 130 because he hasn't had that career-defining fight as of yet. I mean, there there was somebody, there's there's someone that he, there's someone that he can he can have that fight against right now. Jay, you already know what I'm talking about, right? He yep. can Fight fight this guy at the end of this year, and that would definitely prove his worth at 126 and 130, but we we'll already see he's moving up from weight, one to 130 and seeking that for new opportunities but, uh, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't just, like I said, for me I'm not going to uh, project him that high at 130 as yet, and the reason why I say that he's not had a career-defined fight I mean, granted, he's only 14-0 and despite ESPN, when he uh, last fought on ESPN he had all the Oh, he's just like Floyd Mayweather. I'm like, don't please, don't, don't do that. Don't don't. He's that let, let the kid fool himself first. Let the kid show us a good body of work first before you make any type of uh, comparisons like that. But I mean, for nah. me, no, nah, I was gonna say I definitely but, agree with the
2: the aspect of not being tested. But I think it goes back to um, mm. talent level, who's around him, and the talent level that you actually see in the ring, like. Sometimes you can crown guys, and you know we all crown guys, and we may be wrong or right or whatever. I I just think like some guys, and I know you guys, you go look back in in with, you know your history of watching boxing. There's guys that might not have had a resume, but you saw the talent beforehand, and you was like, that guy is 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 going to be special, whoever that may have been. And I'm not saying he's Floyd Mayweather level. I'm not even saying that, but I and I get the the not. Um, stepping mm-hmm. up aspect of it, but I think sometimes we, even though we don't have that particular step, i, I give you example of Teofimo Lopez or um, Anthony Joshua winning for uh, Martin. Like, there's a lot of times or even um, Wilder Steverne. There's a lot of times where guys' resume doesn't necessarily equal up to their how good they really are. Sometimes... You can see it beforehand, and I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be the greatest thing ever, but I just think when you compare him to everybody else in that division, like maybe for the exception of Gary Russell, but I'm excluding Gary Russell because I feel like he's not going to get that opportunity. So I can't I can't include someone who's not going to get that fight. So it's like if you push your core against the guys he's actually going to fight, like Herring and Burchell and those guys, I don't really see that those guys are really – Competition, maybe Hope, but I don't see anyone else at mm-hmm. that, you know, at that experience in terms of Olympic talent, boxing
1: skills, uh, defense, and things of that nature. Well, you, you actually just made a great point, of, uh, uh, a great, a great current so example. Gilfimo Lopez. Prior to him getting the Richard Karmi fight, we everyone had to share the same thought. He was prospect of the year, a uh, year or two ago, whatever it was. Uh, everyone said this kid's gonna be great. But, like, same thought, he had yet to have a, a, a defining fight. And then from that point, once he got in and did what he did against Richard Comey, now we say, oh, yeah, this guy, <laughs> he's definitely legitimate. You know, and that's, I mean, despite the fact that uh, Stevenson has already had a belt, I get that and everything. But, like I said, for me, uh, when the, when Fimo Lopez, before he fought Richard Comey, we knew it was going to be good, but when we, you know, we didn't want to put him at top S line yet, as far as myself. You know what I'm saying? But that was a great point that you made. In, uh, with and with Till Felipe Lopez, current modern day and existing right now, like I said, prior to the Cormier fight, he's good, powerful. We know that, but yeah, you have to put it together against a top tier opponent, and he certainly did that when he went in and knocked uh, Rich Cormier out, which no one had done to that point. But like I said, for me, uh, for uh Stevenson, just uh, I'm I'm, I'm I like I like the kid, a good level head, stays out of trouble, good management, good team behind him, things like that. But like I said, for me, I just need to see him put some more stuff out. Together get in-the-ring squad so just say, yeah, this guy's tough. I mean, if he can go forward and beat a Jamal Herring, you know, that's great. And I would love to see him against a, a Miguel Bertrand as well, who we all, we all know is heavy-handed, uh, long long winning streak, that is, I think six, seven years on the fences or whatever. Uh, I mean, but something like that, Bertrand could be, in a sense, Taylor because even though he's heavy-handed, he would be considered a bit slow for Stevenson. Who just like who I'm not, I want to say just not like me, but doesn't get hit as often. So that could be a great fight uh, early next year. That would be great.
0: Yeah, and, and I
4: think like you I know the timing a, of this move. Up. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah. So I, I hadn't watched Richard Comey fight very many fights, but in the Teofimo Lopez fight, what I thought about him was that to me, he looked like a better version of um, the guy that Terrence Crawford knocked out, you know, in a few rounds to get oh, the belt and become the undisputed. What's, what's that guy's name? Ndongo. Yeah, you know, like, Ndongo. Ndongo got some great wins. I'm right? I mean, well, not going to say great. He got good wins to get him two belts and was had a great momentum, but in the grand scheme of things, Ndongo really wasn't that good. Like, not trying to belittle him or anything like that, but in the grand scheme of things, he was a limited fighter. He didn't have a lot of head movement. He didn't have a lot of, like, boxing. Um, His boxing IQ was, was, was moderate at best. And, you know, uh, whatever the guy, Comey, just appears with my limited knowledge of seeing him fight to be a better version of him a little bit better but not very much. Like if he fight C and B uh C, C level fighters, then yes he'll do very well, but if the moment he fight a B level fighter, he look real, you know, real beatable. Very much so to get knocked out. That's my only thing about Comey.
2: And this is kind of my mm-hmm. point in terms of in terms of why I rate Shakur so highly is because this kind of example of the indongos and the Comes is we can say, and this is not to say that these guys weren't good or whatever, but we can say that these guys had, like Mike just said, they had good resumes, but it doesn't matter once they step up and face the, a better opposition. Or, you know, you can beat guys who are B-level guys, like Mike just said, but at the same time, when you face A-level guys, they're not really in, 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 in competition. They're not really – on that level, mm-hmm. so you can have good quality wins, which in in theory matters, but I, I think sometimes we overplay the resume and downplay the talent. Like sometimes your eyes can actually tell you what's going on, and I think in Shakur's case, I think that's kind of what it is. Like I want to be a I want to be ahead of the curve when he becomes great. I want to say I said that before he won the, you know before he won the big fight because. I was able to see the time. And then if, if I'm wrong, I'm happy to say that I clearly made a mistake on this guy. But I don't want to go back in time and say, well, he's good now uh, after the fact. I want to be able to kind of, you know, put my thought process on it beforehand because I don't want to be uh, be with everybody else and get on the bandwagon after the fact.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, Rick, I'm about man. to
3: fuck with you.
4: I, I bet you said Agent Brown was real good when he was trying to fight in – in the uh, Baltimore, DC area, you were saying he was good way back when, didn't you?
2: Yeah, like I said before, you gonna we you gonna get some wrong. I'm definitely gonna get some wrong. <laughs> Adrian Broner was you. one that I. I no, nah, I'm I'm serious. I, Adrian Broner was one that I got wrong. You know, for every hey, one I too. get right, I get one wrong. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like me too. It's I just want to be ahead of the curve than be behind. it. I don't want to be you know with everybody else after the fact. And, and that's not to knock anybody else. Some, most people do have to see it, but I, I'm just wondering if I, I want to get ahead of it. And sometimes, a lot of times, I'm wrong.
4: My my question to you about Secure Stevenson world rank is, is he – I need to find a better way to – I'm just going to say it. Is Secure Stevenson too light in the ass to be a real contender? Like, is he too much of a, you know, pow, 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 uh, amateur fighter for him to, to really do something at this new, at this higher weight class?
2: I think we all, we have to really consider who's around the division and how the guys are going to be moved. Because a lot of times it's not necessarily about the best fit, fighting the best. It's about moving in a certain direction where people are placed in certain positions. Like the way, like I, I said earlier, I thought, Top rank may have told Shakur something in terms of we promise you a big fight at one thirty, so he doesn't have to face Navarrete or Conlon, because Top rank doesn't want to give Navarrete or Conlon to Stevenson. So it's a lot for me. It's also a lot about how the fight is going to be moved going mm-hmm. forward, and I think they perceive Shakur as a star, so they're going to move him in a certain way where certain fights may or may not get moved. You know, get made. Mm. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, and and I think, you know, the thing with um you know, was with, with uh you know, going down with um Stevenson is I think they're, you know, positioning him to kinda of like be, you know, in a way successful to where, you know, they put him in this particular fight and they wait on this next one or you know, like a fight against Burcheld or against Valdez. Like it's almost like they're trying to make it to where Stevenson would fight for a world title before he fights the winner of uh, and Valdez instead of, you know, fighting the winner of those two guys right off the bat. So that's kind of like what I'm seeing. They're kind of like building them up to do um, in this instance. And, you know, one thing that, you know, before this news came down, earlier this – I think it was earlier this week – Herring had posted something on Twitter where he kind of like hinted at, you know, him moving up himself from 130 to 135. And, you know, that was uh, kind of interesting to me that he, you know, posted that up because, you know, I didn't really think that he would, you know, have that consideration. I thought he would, you know, just like kind of, uh, you know, wait it out to see if he could unify at 130, if he has that opportunity, you know, but it seems like, you know, he had that instance where he went back and forth as as far as like, you know, making that unification bout with uh, Miguel Burchell, you know, they didn't go forward with that. So with him having his, you know, title defenses, it was like the biggest thing that he could have done up to that particular point was have the fight against Carl Frampton since, you know, Berkshout didn't really have any interest on, you know, fighting them. So it's kind of, a, you know, kind of like an interesting situation there for Jamel Herring uh, after he, you know, has his uh, fight here coming up on Tuesday the 14th against uh, Kendo. And then after that, you know, like I said, either go forward with that fight against Carl Frampton or, you know, have, you know, a fight against Shakur Stevenson for that WBO title.
2: Yeah, and I didn't I didn't answer the question about Shakur being too late. I, I I think he's not a power punch anyway. He's a, a strictly boxer, and I think his foot movement and uh, his defensive uh, prowess will will get him out of harm. I think his uh, Olympic pedigree will get him out of harm. I think he can he can move up to higher weight classes. and he's not a he's not a small featherweight either. He's He's pretty big for the weight, so moving up to one thirty for him, I don't think uh, will be an issue. Only only person that can present like weight issue for him is Burchelt. Burchelt seems like he's he he's a big guy at the weight too, and I I don't see him staying at one thirty too long. Uh, but other than him, Shakur and size wise, I think he matches pretty well up with with the guys at one thirty. Yeah, you on that one?
0: Yeah. Because, um, I mean, yeah, there's like, you know, good amount of uh, matchups that could be made there within uh, the 130-pound division. You know, like I said, you have Burchell Valdez, Herring. You have Masuki Ito. You have Carl Frampton. Um, you <laughs> you even have uh, Abraham Nova that had this fight, um, you know, there. Um, you know, at, at Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. Um, so there's, you know, a few matchups that can be made for Shakur Stevenson, not just, you know, you know, the fight against Jamal Herring, but I mean we'll see, you know, how that goes. Um, I think they were hinting at like, you know, he's gonna have an uh, added interest in uh this fight that Herring has uh coming up on um Tuesday. So yeah, that's gonna be uh something there, uh with that, but um, as of right now, um they're saying that they're gonna have uh Jamel Herring and, and Carl Frampton to try to have that about scheduled for November. So after this particular fight, uh that Herring has against the if he's able to, you know, get through that, uh then um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. he will you know go ahead and fight Frampton. Um but you know, it, it's going to be, you know, interesting because there's like, you know, a lot of news that came down within the WBO, you know, so um, we'll see how that, you know, ends up, uh, you know, turning out with that. Um, other news that, you know, came down, uh, one one thing is, uh, looks like Epi Ajagba is kind of like uh, leaning towards being under the top rank banner. Uh, he, you know, did sign a uh advisory pack with Jay Prince. So Jay Prince is his advisor right now. And um, you know, after that it looks like, you know, it's kinda of see if um they're going to have him uh be uh completely uh are um working under top rank. He's currently managed by uh Sally uh Finkel and um is under ringstar promotion. So um we're gonna see here if he's gonna you'll end up being in a, a top rank card uh, later on down the line.
2: So you do
4: have that. Um my, my question Jared, uh to the panel. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay, my bad. I, I didn't know you were done. I'm just, keep going. I'm sorry. I'll I'll pose it later. Oh uh, was uh, yeah
0: I was gonna uh, to happen happen because... Yeah I was gonna make a quick announcement there on um Uh, Jared Anderson, who had uh, a scheduled bout that was supposed to be this past week, uh, but that was uh, scratched last minute, Uh, but it will be rescheduled for this coming Thursday on ESPN, so he'll be going up against Hector Perez. Uh, He'll have a second bout on the ESPN uh, card uh, here over in uh, Las Vegas, so um, we're going to see, quote-unquote, the real big baby uh, in the ring once again, so uh, just
4: on the lookout for that. Uh, what you got back, Brady? All right, so my question is, okay, FAA Jogba, I'm posing this to the panel. How many fights does FAA Jogba have at fighting C-plus level fighters before he gets his ass knocked out? How many fights does <laughs> he <in>? have <laughs> before he gets his ass knocked out? <laughs> how, how many? I, I, this is a real question.
3: Yeah, no, no. I, no,
1: no, no the man, guy started lazy boxing. What's Who was that talking? Nah, I
4: can
1: hear him, Yeah, that, that's that's me. That's me. You know what I'm saying? This trail. Okay. So the guy started lazy boxing. You gotta give him get, give him a little slackness, but at this point, fuck that. He's 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 a he's, a, he's a, a heavyweight boxer. He's seeking uh top opponent, so uh, I, I get it, but. He, I mean, the guy started late in boxing. He's with a great trainer in Ronnie Shields. We know that. But at, for right now, he's either put up Daddy. or shut up. So, uh, I mean, he, he's great size, great, great job, things like that. He just, get, This guy just got to get the right matchup. Even like uh, last year we talked about, it would be great for him to get in there with a guy that beat. Uh, what, what's uh, Matt's favorite boxer? What's that uh, white kid up there from New York? What's we'll that? Kalenius uh, or something like that? Kawanaki. Yeah, the, the guy that the Kawanaki, the be We do it'll be great for a job to get in there with him and fight him. That's a good matchup. I, I mean, this progressive guy alone, but I, I I like the guy. I mean, but but once again, in heavyweight boxing, anybody can go down at any given time. We we see that. But I I, I generally like the kid. Uh, I do I do hope we get some see some success, out, success on him despite him getting a late start. But he has a great uh trainer, things like that. But I I, I really like to get I don't think he's gonna get knocked out like that. I don't I don't think so. So I, I give I give him a good fighting chance. I mean, yeah, you two don't fights that, ago. Uh,
2: that fight two of the year ago, that he had? He, Yeah, he was in trouble two fights ago, a couple of fights ago. He was in I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna make it to the next level. He he won't
4: make it past the sea level to real. I'm sorry, dog. That he shouldn't have been in that type of fight with, with that dude, with that type of guy. I'm just saying. Yeah, he can't he... move his head to real. That's why he won't be in there. At least Anthony Joshua and not move his head like he is he is six well, the other dude's six seven. Anthony Joshua is not that stiff and, and knows boxing, like is a is a gold medalist. So he knows something about boxing, at least the fundamentals. I think Jogba is learning. De- Deontay Wilder started late and so you people can argue that he doesn't you know, his IQ is, is not high, which I would argue with that. His IQ is is better than average, obviously, for him to win a title and keep it for so long. But Jogba his IQ man is it's it's average or below, you know. Anthony Joshua's IQ is above average. Boxing IQ is above average. Uh Deontay Wilder's you, boxing right. IQ it's above average. Go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. He, he might be two or three fights away from Hellenius. I, I mean, because Hellenius to the guy that he fought is one or two fights away. So I don't, I, I'm i not sure he's ready for Hellenius level right now. Yeah. If, like you
0: said, I mean, if he he doesn't move his head, look, look at what happened with Hellenius and Karnaki. Kalnaki is somebody that's a forward guy but he doesn't move his head.
4: So when he got caught, that was
0: that was pretty much it, you know, for Kalnaki. So if you look at that, you know, in the Jabba who, you know, got knocked down by Lago Yago you know, um, you know, back uh, last year, like he's like he, he has a little bit of work to do. Like he, he should be able to like if he wants to have himself be, you know, almost like from that sea level that people consider him as at this particular point to at least ability level, he has to be able to beat somebody like a Kajanu and not take nine rounds to do it. You know?
2: Um and that and that fight he was hurting, that was a that guy was a cruiserweight moving be, who became a heavyweight, but he at his best he was a cruiserweight.
4: Mm-hmm. So when you hit somebody so clean it don't really
0: matter, does it? Right. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be able to be beat Kajano fairly clearly. Um if you wanna, you know, separate yourself from like those that are like within the you know, um what is it ranked I'd say um
3: you know, when the
0: in the thirties, like in the thirties, ranked in the thirties to the to the twenties, you know. And like if I if I put him up like you know someone said uh, Adam Kalnaki or you know a um you know Robert Hellenius. Uh what about like uh, you know Dominic Brazil
4: like what would he do against Dominic Brazil
0: you know Dominic Brazil would, would
4: eat him like chop <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well I
4: don't know I don't know but but I think I I think Dominic Brazil is at least more fluid than him has a better boxing IQ than him, and you know Dominique Brazil will throw shots and and land them on you, and and what's his name don't move his head, so he will get hit. At least Brazil, ugh, I just feel like the IQ will will make what's his name get hit first.
1: Mm. Which well, is, I, I, like, I agree with everything you guys are saying, cause like you 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 can't teach boxing instincts is what he lacks. But I mean, but if you are his trainer, Ronnie Shields. What would you do with him to improve on um, on how to how to fix his flaws? How would you fix that boxing? Keep
4: fighting. The level of fighters he fighting.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs>
2: move him up slow. Yeah, I move him up slow.
4: I'm like you could probably have him go
0: up against Joe Washington, but like, what would he do against the likes of a Charles Martin, especially now with Charles Martin being with um,
3: you know,
4: with um. I didn't even think Charles Martin would beat him. Charles Martin showed yeah. me
2: something his last fight. Charles Martin showed me something. He, he, he showed me Oh yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Some, like I I, you I know feel like Charles who Martin would even good? have a higher IQ than him. Somebody like uh, uh what's the little short pudgy guy? He's uh white guy, he's kinda short and
4: pudgy. Um uh, he's, like, he's
2: like five No, no, that, no nah, nah, not areola. Not areola. He like five. He's a white guy, five ten. But he like he's a small guy. He, I'm trying to remember did who he fought. Did he fight on TV? Was he, did he yeah, fight he, on TV within the last month? Nah, he fought on TV. He's been on TV a lot. I think his last fight was on TV. What's the guy? Joey DeWelco. Uh. That yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, that'd be a good one.
4: That'd be a good
2: one. Like somebody yeah. that type of lovely fighter.
0: Something like that. He's better, you know. Just have him look good against a Johan Duijpa or something. But you can't, you can't have him facing those guys like a Duijpa or you know, uh, uh, you know, something like a, a Nathan Gorman or something like that. He has to be able to build himself up. Like, here'll be something here. I, I see somebody that's like, even though this is box strike rankings that goes by a point system. I see somebody that is ranked a good little bit below him, but could be a real dangerous fight for him, and that's Frank Sanchez. If he fought Frank Sanchez right now, uh, that wouldn't be a good look for him. I don't think it would be a good look for him.
1: Yeah, Frank Sanchez well, they, is definitely decent. He's definitely de- decent. <laughs> that's that's that's. That's a step backwards to me because Saverne has previous nothing left. I'm not saying he's shot, but he's shot. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, all that has is uh, name recognition. That's it.
4: Yeah, Saverne. That might be a good one. Saverne might be a good one. But, like, the only reason why I think he would beat Saverne is because Saverne, like like Terrell just said, Saverne, you can tap the Saverne in his head and his concussions that he done had over the years. Like has has severely compromised him. Savern is at the point where he really needs to stop fighting because the other guy who who really like punched him with a jab or something hurt him and and it's you know it's from the punishment obviously that Wilder put on him. But um, yeah, he could beat a Stavern because Savern is like you touch his head and his brain shake and he got another concussion, which I which I hope Savern don't fight anymore. Personally speaking, well, hey, he has since last February. So Which is good. You what you wonder why you ain't seen Golovkin fight. I mean not Golovkin, um um what's what's the dude with Timothy Bradley Paul?
0: Provotnikov?
4: Provotnikov. I am so glad Provotnikov stopped fighting. Provotnikov is probably still pissing blood, man. <laughs> and and it, it really sucks to see. It sucks though, man. It sucks. Yeah, so I mean him.
0: Yeah, that yeah, that was a real tough fight there for Vodnikov to go through. So I mean that, yeah. Once you you know go through some battles like that, then you, you gotta be able to say, hey, I gotta put my gloves up, man, because you know I won't
4: my body won't be able to take that much punishment. Um, just hey, like, hey, you know, uh, Jake, I I got a question. Have y'all yep. spoke about Deontay Wilder seemingly getting hit with gloves that were that the padding was removed and you can see knuckles in the, in someone's hand. Did y'all talk about that? Cause I hadn't been known in a while. And I know I see pictures online that look like somebody got hit with a, with a, with a fist inside it, like an MMA glove. No, we
0: haven't talked about that.
4: Really? Why not? Uh, what do you think? I mean,
0: what do
4: you think about
0: it? for, 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 For one instance, the so-called president of the Deontay Wilder fan club hasn't really brought it up since the video that came out of Deontay Wilder. So he's kind of been uh, contemplating dropping his office as the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club. But, you know, other than that, we really haven't talked much about it because it's been like a lot of back and forth uh, going on, you know, between the thing with Wilder, Fury, Fury. You know, now they're bringing up other fighters that may have adjusted their gloves. Like it's, it, it's kind of like been stretched out there a little bit <laughs> too thin, as far as I'm concerned.
4: That's true. Who else might have messed with their gloves? Tampered with their gloves?
0: Oh uh, well, some. Some have said that Wilder did that. Some said Joshua has done it at one point. So it, it's kind of been stretched you know, really, you know, far out there. And you know, my my thing is that, you know, the key thing for me is that Deontay Wilder is going to fight Tyson Fury once again. And I feel that he has to prepare himself completely to fight Tyson Fury, whether it's, you In know, very December or late December, you know. Um... He's you know recovered from you know his injury to his arm or whatnot, so he should be you know in the gym training. I'll go see what you know adjustments that have to be made. Um, i have you know seeing other things about Deontay Wilder like saying that he fired Mark Breland, and I'm like, no, he didn't fire Mark Breland because we would have known about that a while ago. So it's like a whole bunch of news that's been out that's kind of you know, really been, you know, out there as far as, like, you know, Deontay Wilder. concern. So, you know, that's how I really had not really talked about it that much.
4: Um, So do you think from what the pictures that you saw of Fury, does, do do you see Knuckles in the picture? That's all I'm asking. I don't know
0: if I'll see Knuckles in the picture, but what I will tell you is that I feel that Tyson Fury does adjust his gloves being the size that he is. Like this guy is like almost what? Not even what did I say about a couple inches shorter than what Nikolai Valuev was, and you and you're dealing with what ten ounce gloves at 270 Nah, like those type of hands there, they don't. Really necessarily fit all too well on on, on a tennis on a ten ounce glove. So I feel like he has he has been adjusting those gloves. Now, with that being said, it's up to Wilder's team to emphasize that that happens with Tyson Fury, because that isn't the only time that he's adjusted his gloves. So you're gonna have to point that out before the next fight or during the next fight or something like that, because. When you deal with somebody, whether it's uh, Tyson Fury or Bernard Hopkins, or, you know, a, um, uh, uh,
3: who is it, uh,
0: you know, somebody there that, like, kind of, like, bends the rules a bit, you know what I mean? Like, if you know that this fighter bends the rules a bit, you're going to have to inform the referee, like, hey, he's doing this, he's doing that. You know, you're going to have to have them, you know, be aware of that so that once it happens or any instance of that, you know, may be happening, then you'll be able to point it out. Because if you don't point it out, then he's going to continue to do it. And instead of, you know, talking about it after the fact, you should have talked about it, you know, before the fight took place. Like the whole thing with uh, Vasilomachenko and Orlando Salido. Like, you know, Orlando Salido, you know, was, you know, hitting hitting questionably below the belt or whatever it was. But that's been Orlando Salido. So you can't say, like, oh, this guy is like a dirty fighter or whatever it is after the fight. You knew he was a dirty fighter before the fight. So if you ain't going to say, hey, ref, you know, watch out for this guy doing this. Or, hey, ref, he's doing this. Then they're going to continue to do it. And if you ain't going to tell the referee during the fight, he's going to continue to do the same thing. Fast forward to Vasyl Lomachenko fighting Guillermo Rigondeau. Look how many times Vasyl Lomachenko crashed to the ref for Guillermo Rigondeau going down low. And because of that, they basically, you know, had points deducted or, you know, you know had him being warned a whole bunch of times. But if you're not going to point that out, you know, before the fight, then whatever you can you can do in order to bend the rules or do, you know, a few things out there. They're going to try it unless you're going to point it out, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like, you know, for me, it's all part of the game, but you, you got to be able to know uh, the shortcuts to the game and, and point it out or else, you know, they're going to bend the rules against you in that instance. Um I don't know if, like, anyone caught, like, the uh, fight cards that, w- that was on uh, Thursday. Um, you know, you had that main event there with Carlos Tacom going up against Jerry Forrest, where Jerry Forrest was supposed to fight uh, Jerrell Miller. But, of course, you had Jerrell Miller with his little, you know, instance once again. And, you know, Carlos Takam got in there with, you know, about, you know, a week, a week and a half notice. Uh he, he had to, you know, deal with he, he he was dealing with the passing of his dad, uh pretty much around that same time uh that he was notified that he was being put in this fight against Jerry Forrest. And so with that, even in that short notice, he was able to, you know, clearly have the lead in the first half of the fight up until about round seven or so where Jerry Forrest was able to get a little bit more in, but it was still like a clear, you know, decision win for Carlos Tacum there. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, at, at first Carlos Tacum did very well in the first parts of the fight, but Jerry Forrest pretty much blew this, man, because, I mean, he, he was, you know, one guy that, you know, should have been part of the fight card in February, uh, Was it, February 29th in um, the Dallas area, uh, but he, that fight got scratched out. And then you got put into this card, against schedule for Jarrell Miller, and you see what happened with Jarrell Miller. So now you have a replacement. You're still there. You have a fight. You're supposed to get in there and, and do your thing. And then he, he basically blows it, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that dude, man, that dude – he was butt cheeks, man. I don't want to see him on my TV no more, man. This dude trash. He, do let mean, Tukum, like he, he let the calm. outbox him, man. Come on, what what, what what they do that at, man? Oh man, that man was cheeks, man. And
1: yeah, look, 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 look how after yeah, the, at- be the fight. Yeah, yeah. And look look how active was. At the uh, for the first couple rows. I said, "What the hell's going on? This dude a uh, damn yeah. uh, light heavyweight <laughs> or something like that." You know, I said, "How, how long can he keep that up?" And he, he he looked good though. You know what I'm saying? He looked good as much as he did, but I mean, other than other than that, uh, the four just followed literally followed Takamaru around the ring, not throwing those shots, not setting them up, not cutting out the ring. He literally followed them around the ring, just throwing his occasional shot every now and then. I mean, it was it's yeah. like it's like. His performance did not match up with the story behind him at all. Not at all. It was and another front-foot fun fight. Takam has 28 knockouts. The other Forrest has 28 win, uh, 26 wins. That kind of tells you the start a difference between the uh, experience levels between two fighters, and that definitely showed in that fight. Definitely showed.
2: Yeah. yeah, man, no disrespect to that man's
1: uh, family. But imagine being in that, um,
2: in, you know, with his uh, – his his dad being with all the army people man and and are watching the fight, man, it just I, I can't even imagine, man. I just I, oh man. That man was cheap, man. That's all there is say, man. No, nah,
4: they they yeah, probably
2: yeah, been I mean, there
4: like is, is this your son? You know? <laughs> <they probably laughs> <back here. laughs> yeah, I thought he was gonna do something the way the way that you know, the talking in the beginning and, you know, like the family, I thought just a bunch of pride. Uh I'm gonna tell you what I told um uh, James and uh, Terrell in the group, I said, it like he fight like he got one left hand and, and two right feet. You know, that's how it looked. Yep. he was fighting. <laughs> he, only, he only threw his left hand, and he, he was, like, holding him and, like, cuffing him and stuff. And then he really couldn't move. Like, he couldn't he couldn't step with the left hand to get, like, to, to close distance and then throw the left hand. And he didn't – he literally didn't jab and throw hooks or none of that with his right hand Oh.
0: Not at all. Especially in that first half of the fight. It was like he was just looking for that left hand, and that was it. I'm like, come on, man. You 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 just throwing it to just throw it. You don't even, you know, set a trap for it to come or anything like that. You just throwing it and telegraphing that joint, man. I'm like, come on. Yeah,
1: that was bad, man. That was just,
0: mm. I, mean, I, I, I ain't never saying, like, you know, what he was doing in that particular instance, man, because it, it was like, to to me, he could have, you know, done something, you know, much better than what he did. But I don't even see how they how, – I don't even see how one judge even gave him four rounds, but they actually
3: – one judge
0: actually gave Jerry Forge four rounds in
2: that joint, so I was like, man. But the way, the way they disrespected Takam before the fight, though, the way they was boosting this dude up, man, Takam, you know, he's the more known fighter. I don't know what they right. were trying to do, but I know he's not American. But the, what they were trying to do and what Takam has done in in the heavyweight division, like he's he's kind of relevant. People kind of know know him as opposed to force. I They they did that man a disservice. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's a former world title challenger. He
0: was the IBF mandatory challenger, you know, and. They just, you know, made it off like he wasn't <laughs> like he really didn't have much of a shot, you know, out there against Forrest. And he proved he that to you know, not be the case whatsoever. And, you know, he got the uh, unanimous decision win, and, and you know, he's kinda like looking to see if you'll face, you know, another guy there in the top ranked banner, uh, could be, um, you know or someone else in there. Uh, that they have. I mean, you have, you know, guys in the roster like, you know, Tony Oka and whatnot, but he could probably face an Oscar Revis, uh, down the line because they have Oscar Rivas there, you know, so why not?
1: Yeah, it was definitely something that James, James Bell and the to store score on that one by those judges. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I just uh, don't understand what they were doing in that
3: particular, you know, instance there.
0: But you know, that's you know what they had uh, there in that you know particular fight card, and
3: you know we had like
0: a couple more you know things going down uh, this week. Uh, you know, like we said, you have the fight between uh, Jamel Herring and uh, Jonathan Nikendo, uh that's coming up, and uh, then you have. Um, Miguel Marriaga against uh, Mark John Yap and Felix Rodejo against Will Madeira on July 16th. But you know, after that week, uh, things should start to pick up. Um, on the 24th of July, you'll have Virgil Ortiz Jr. against Samuel Vargas. Uh, you know That'll be part of that. So um, that'll be at the Fantasy Springs Resort Casino in uh, California. So maybe we'll have uh, more uh, information about that fight card. Uh, In the next few weeks, so uh, that'll you know, seem like we'll have more action uh, in boxing. Through I guess that's Golden Boy Promotions or whatnot. Oh, speaking of Golden Boy Promotions, what is up with Oscar De La Hoya and uh, Brian Garcia? Man, like, come on, like we gonna have more more of this stuff going on between these guys? I don't know if it's something where they're trying to get like some attention before an announcement is made or. There's like really something bad going on between them, but I don't know. That's they have this whole thing, you know, going on with Ryan Garcia once again. Like he is gonna break away from Golden Boy Promotions, but that would be that would be interesting, given that he's with uh, Eddie Reynoso, who's the main trainer for Canelo Alvarez. So I don't know what what they what they've been uh, doing in reference to this, because you know he was supposed to fight. Um, Jorge Linares, and then that fight got you know scratched, and then you know something went out like saying that uh, Ryan Garcia's team didn't want to you know go forward with that Linares bout, and they were like, "What? I ain't, we didn't say that one bit." So I don't know what's going on between those two guys.
4: So what's happening, James? Because I I was looking at it, but I didn't pay attention to. It. I hadn't I hadn't really like looked at boxing in a while. Like this was my first time. This yeah. last fight. This weekend, so what 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 was happening?
0: All right, so I mean you had the thing, you know, back in February with um you know, Brian Garcia main event. Um, you know, you got that first round knockout and the cold feature bout. you had Jorge Linares winning that fight. So they were setting up to have, you know, Brian Garcia placing Jorge Lenares on July fourth weekend, you know, Richmond. Uh but you know, with the whole thing with everything being rescheduled they kind of, like, were going to see if they could push it back. So looks like they, you know, tried to make an attempt to that, but Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy looks like they released, like, a statement of sorts saying that Team Ryan Garcia is not, you know, ready for this particular bout. So we're going to announce that, uh, <laughs> that um, you're going to have, Jorge Linares, go up against Javier Fortuna on August 28th, and now that fight's going to be for the, you know, WBC Diamond title. Now, the WBC did announce that they would like to have Ryan Garcia fight Luke Campbell for the uh, mandatory spot for the WBC championship, lightweight championship, but I don't see anything that says, like, they're willing to go forward with making that fight official. I haven't seen anything in reference to that. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on in
4: that, in that particular sense. And so what did Ryan Garcia say in response to that when Golden Boy said that he wasn't ready for the fight and blah, blah, blah? He said, look, uh, he had, like, a, there
0: was, like, an uh, interview with the athletic uh, a couple of days ago. And he's like, saying that there's a little bit of a conflict in reference to how much Golden Boy is going to pay him for fights. So he's like, you know, what, y'all got to respect me. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy. I'm having this following. You know, I got, like, 6 million followers on social media and this type of stuff. and I had, like, a, a great turnout and my last fight that I had. So for my next fight, y'all are gonna have to pay me accordingly. And if you don't have to, and you don't pay me accordingly, then you know, let me go. Um and that's kinda like what you know, that's you know, been this latest statement is that, you know, they haven't really done much to, you know, try to uh give him ample or adequate compensation uh for his fight. So that's the latest thing that's been happening with uh Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy Promotions.
2: But here's the thing I don't understand. Yeah, you got six million Instagram followers or whatever, mm-hmm. but does that equate to dollars or people paying for your fight? Like you never had a pay per view fight. So if you, you if you put on a fight on pay per view, let's see how you know, how many of those followers that you claim that that's really important to you making more money how much how many of those people are actually going to pay to see you fight cuz it's it's different when I'm following you for free but when I got to pay 39.99 or 29.99 or 40 whatever the price is how many of those people are going to translate over and i think at some point golden boy and garcia got to get that together like do we just do a test run on the pay-per-view and see how many of those subscribers come over and actually pay to see him fight Because having all those followers don't necessarily equate to, you know, million-dollar paydays not fighting anybody. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's um... – Go
1: ahead. That's a great point. Real quick, that's a great point, what you just made, in regards to uh, how many followers equates to uh, pay-per-view buys and stuff like that. Uh, A a semi-similar situation – that we saw uh, last year that that neither one of us like When we saw some YouTubers jump on these uh, cards and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the KS1, uh, I, you know, I don't follow these cards like that. I forgot what card they were exactly, but it's like at the end of the bottom line, did having a YouTuber on an actual whole fight card increase the pay-per-view bias? It probably increased the profile, but like a sense, did that at the same time equate to... uh the number of bonds for the fight, so semi, 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 uh, similar situation. I agree with your argument.
0: Yeah, and uh, let let me see. I mean, they had like a snippet of this thing um, where it was like coming off the athletic, and you know, Ryan Garcia is like was like saying something to so the extent of, "They don't think that I'm the next world champ, and if they don't think that I'm the next big fighter in the world, then prove it. Let me go." Uh, just release me right now and let me be. Why do you want to hold back somebody who's not going to be shit? Uh, Don't hold me back. Just release me. If you don't think I'm the real deal because you're insinuating Mm -hmm. and I'm not really the real deal and I'm not on that level yet, release me and then I'll prove it to you. I'm like, oh, man. Like, like this is, yeah, this thing is like, you know, looking real messy and, and, and all of this and I don't know what, what the end game is going to be for it, you know, but just like Garcia is, like, um, like he's not being respected. But like you say in World Rank, like, if if Ryan Garcia really thinks that he's that much of a draw like he says he is, then have him in a pay-per-view level type of event. I mean, I know that, yeah, Golden Boy is with his own and whatnot, but you're not going to have, you know – someone like a Ryan Garcia be at the level of a near like, like Canelo is. Like, they're giving Canelo thirty to $35 million guarantees for fighting on the zone. Um, but, you know, with Ryan Garcia, you're not going to have those type of guarantees because he's not going to be able to bring that many people, not just to, you know, buy, you know, a subscription to the zone, but have, you know, that many people that are pay-per-view type of a gate. Or anything like that. You're not gonna have a Ryan Garcia fighting at T-Mobile Arena being the main event. You're not gonna have him, you know, main an eventing over at a Madison Square Garden or a Staples Center. Like he doesn't get he doesn't get that much attention to do that. So Ryan Garcia should know that he's not that type of a main eventer. So why would he think that he would be paid as such? Like he like shoot, even in this particular instance, and I'm gonna you will go to this uh, guy as the next topic, Devontae Tank Davis. Like, look what he's done over the past, what, about, I'd say, 12 months or so, where he's able to have, you a know, great crowd over in Baltimore in his hometown and have a great crowd over in Atlanta at the end of, you know, December last year. Like, is, is uh, Ryan Garcia going to have something like that? No. So how is he going to ask for this particular amount of money
4: when he's not bringing those type of crowds to his fights. So, James, mm-hmm. when, you, when you overview that, for 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 me, uh, for us, um, it, it sounded a lot like WWE to me. So my first thought in hearing you describe that and hearing how you say, if I'm such a bum, let me go, blah, 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 is this a ploy, a marketing ploy that they are implementing? Because if he is such a social media presence, and De La Jolla ain't stupid, right? So De La Jolla um knows he has a certain market, obviously the uh Hispanic market, and mm-hmm. you know, with Ryan Garcia he has, you know, an American uh Hispanic American market, but um, you know, they like you know, this 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 boy band looking guy. But um are they doing it to bring notice to him such that they rile up the million followers and then such that they make the million followers be more interested when the next time he does fight because they're going to frame it as, you know, uh, I can hear Oscar De La Horta saying, well, you know, he's saying that he wants to, you know, try himself, and and this is exactly what we're doing. We're going to give him a chance to, you know, move up and, you know, do blah, 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 and then they're going to paint it as, you know, he don't believe me. Let me go, and this will be the fight where I show him that you know he needs me. You know, like it sounded very WWE-ish. What what, you, what y'all think about that? Well, it, to me, it, it's almost
0: it almost has a little inklings like the last time that they had a little spat because remember they had the whole thing with uh, him, you know, arguing about you know him not being. Uh, you know, him being reluctant to fight a Romero Duno or or somebody of that level. And it looked like they were gonna have, you know, a break up then. But they were, you know, still able to have the instance where he was uh fighting Romero Duno uh in, in the uh fight card with uh Canelo there against uh Kovalev So I uh, maybe they're doing the same thing here is uh that You know, he's kind of like being set up to, you know, kind of like be part of another, you know, fight card or anything like that. Like I said, um, he's, you know, initially, you know, been ordered to fight um, Luke Campbell for the WBC mandatory position. Uh, So maybe, you know, they're trying to build up us to actually have that fight take place and have some interest in that particular fight. But, you know, other than that, I don't know why else he would kind of like have this whole back and forth between him and Oscar De La
2: Hoya. The problem I have is I, I don't want to dwell on the money aspect of it because I, I really want to be in other people's pockets. But I feel like right. if we, and this goes back to Terrell's point about uh, having to um, actually show your merch before people anoint you. He's, right you got to actually do something before you can command these things. And I think if you're commanding me this type of money now for fighting the Luke Campbell's and that, what are you going to demand when you face Javante or, or uh, Haney? That's what I'm like. I'm kind of nervous about like if golden boy gives in and says, yeah, we, 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 we fall under the pressure of, you know, what you're saying and what other people are saying on social media, we'll pay, we'll overpay you. For these level of fights, it to me it just seems like it makes the bigger fights much more harder to make because then he's going to demand more than what he maybe what the market should
0: yeah the market like would
1: would uh you know open for them, you know like that well I, I you, hey, well Rick you just took yeah. the words right out of my mouth it was just just as recent as last year. Uh, when we talk about on the show about how good is Ryan Garcia, because at the point, and same thing for him has not had a marquee opponent as yet. He's had some great knockout wins here recently, but things about like that. So all last year, you have people around him was in the division doing doing great things, to include uh, supposed matchup with Tank Davis that was, that was talked about last year by Ryan Garcia. And what did Ryan, Gar- Ryan Garcia say last year? Not yet 2021 at best. So now the time he try to. You see all this stuff happening around him, he's almost left out of the picture. And now at the same time, now just asking for more, more money. But once again, what have you done to substantiate your request for more money? And like, once again, like you said, well-ranked, it's great you've got six million followers on social media. That's great. But does that translate into pay-per-view buys at some point? And uh, what's another sport where people actually get uh, paid up on how good they may be? Football, for example. You know how many times have we seen contract given uh that contracts given out in football, and it doesn't pan out for for the team. The guy's just not not as good as as they, as they projected they would. So once again, Ryan Garcia needs to just get this new Campbell fight out of the way, show his ass, uh, no homo, whatever, <laughs> and, and 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 have a great performance, and then he would have a great name on his resume to build from because it's a world class uh, former title contender that he can fight. And and showcase himself against, but uh, like I said, just recently last year, he himself said he was ready for tank. Uh, he said twenty twenty one, something like that. So it's the same 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 thought line. He, he needs to fight this fight, and then then yeah, talk to me about the money. Yeah, show me the money after that. You know, definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, like you said there with the um, thing about football, like you know, they they kind of like pay you know, up to, um, you know, up to the potential, you know, in most cases, or, you know, you see the potential of what you've already done. And we've had the biggest example of, you know, someone getting a new contract from what they've already done. You know, you have, you know, the thing there with, um, <clears throat> you know, a big contract, you know, signed by, um <clears throat> You know, uh, the uh, Kansas City uh, Chiefs uh, quarterback there, Patrick Mahomes, he gets that, you know, what is it, $400-plus plus million dollars, you know. But, you know, with the NFL, they have it structured to, you know, it's basically bonuses mainly on, it's basically back the deal. But still, you know, have that being the highest, you know, highest paid contract in NFL history, you know. Compare that to, like, you know, the thing here with, uh, you know, Ryan Garcia where – you know he's you know been paid up to what I'd say about two hundred yeah said about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He was paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the uh, Francisco Fonseca fight and then the previous fight against Romero Duno. So you mean to tell me that you're trying to ask for a significant amount more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars for your next fight? So. You know, like World Ring said, like, like say, for example, he goes up against a, uh, you know, a Luke Campbell. Like, how much is he going to ask for that? You know, it's probably going to be, you know, $400,000, $500,000, probably more than that.
2: I think it is more than that.
0: Yeah, more than that, I, you know, for a Luke Campbell. I, so.
2: Yeah, I think he gets three or four for the fights he's doing right now.
0: Hmm. Well, probably, yeah, probably uh, with other stuff that's, you know, added on to it. Yeah, because I think the thing with 250 is a base salary. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I'm like, what else is he, you know, asking for in this in this particular instance where, you know, if he fights Luke Campbell, and that's going to be for, you know, like you said, over $500,000 or something like that. And then after that, when he fights for a world title, how much is he going to ask for in a world title fight? When I mean, unless if you're, a, you know, a Oslo Mechenko or, you know, Teofimo Lopez, when they fight each other, you know, who else is going to be pulling that much money for a fight in the lightweight division? Nobody. So I don't understand where he's coming at with this type of stuff when, you know, like y'all said, that following is not putting, you know, butts in the seats, and it's not getting subscriptions on the zone. So why are you asking for this type of money when they're not getting a, you know, return on that investment? You know what I mean? So, so there's that. Um, one, one other thing that I wanted to get into was uh, talk uh, over the last couple of days, it seems like. Um, I don't know if it was the trainer for uh, Tank Davis or somebody else, but they had released, you know, this video of Tank Davis being in the ring, sparring with Ivan Redcatch, and it seems like, you know, the video that came out was like he was getting in the Uh but then I guess the next day or, you know, soon after Redcatch was like, Oh, I see that you put in this snippet of the video, but you didn't put in the entire video. But that's all good, though. Um, you know, that's you know, that's kind of like a real questionable thing there, uh, coming out of that camp. But you know, I have my thoughts on the actual video itself, um, because for me, I just think it just showed Tank Davis basically being Tank Davis. To me, I, I know that what world rank you you kind of like put a lot of uh, you know sock in the tank Davis, right? Um, but for me, it kind of like looked not much different than what I saw in his performance against you know Yuriokas Gamboa and the multiple fights that he's had you know in the past that he has that type of distance where he doesn't throw that many punches. In succession, he'll, he'll just throw almost like one at a time.
1: One,
4: two,
0: three, four, five, and just keep going like that. But nothing where it's like a three or 4 punch combination, you know. So I, I don't know what to make out of that. Any any thoughts on the video if y'all saw it?
1: I mean, like you said, the video only shows one clip, uh, so it's hard to form a full opinion without saying like a full round or something like that. And I granted from from uh Red catch's account of the Spartan session, he said that's like actually that does not uh accurately depict the entire session and the thing about it is they they want to record it. they initially told him no, right and then from that point he he him and his team noticed that uh tankside oh they're recording a, a part of it, and then only release a certain clip of it which is like entirely biased in, in regards to uh how they did that. And it's like, if you did that, what's the point of doing that? You want to showcase your fighter uh, having a good sparring session against a, a guy at a higher weight? Is, is that your point? Do you, do you really need to do that? It's kind of like, you know, at this point now, uh, they're supposed to go ahead and resume the sparring session on tomorrow. So that remains to be seen. And if they do actually resume the sparring the, the session, will they air more, more videos so we can form a fuller opinion in regards to sparring between uh, Tank and Red Cat. but, but uh, on 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 the outside, it looked like man, you just trying to sh- trying to showcase yourself against a guy at a higher weight, which is kind of cheesy. And it's like you're you're a world you're a world caliber fighter. You don't need to do that. We know you got power. We know that. But come on now. Yeah, this is just, just
4: thing. You, real.
0: you could Go ahead, James? I'll tell you. I was like, I mean, this is some things that you just don't go ahead and release, man. Like usually those type of sessions are closed door sessions. So you ain't supposed to have, you know, no phones, no cameras, none of that type of stuff in there. And you know, now this happens. So yeah, I I just don't know what they were trying to do as far as like this is concerned, what the end game of it was.
4: Um go ahead there, Mike. I, I agree with what both of you guys said um, in terms of it, it comes off very immature to show this, to get, like, clout over something that, hell, if you so good, shouldn't you, you know, you you should be able to do this and, you know, show it in the ring whenever it's time. But uh, I don't know about Red Catch's point in terms of, like, well, hey, if you'd have shown more of the sparring, you know, this would have because you remember – uh, the last time somebody said that which was Pauly in in terms of uh uh Conor McGregor, that shit was not true. So if I believe, if I do not believe what Poly Malinaji said, then yeah, Red Cat's probably got his ass whipped the rest of that fire match. If I go with what Pauly <laughs> <Polly Malignaggi> said, Malinaji <laughs> yeah. said.
0: Yeah. But that yeah, that was a good little point there. If they're supposed to have like another session with each other uh tomorrow, then you know, we'll you know, really see what's up. But, you know, right now, you know, the talk that's, you know, been going back and forth between those two, you know, you have uh quote unquote, big brother, Adrian Broner commenting on it. And you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mess here right now. So, you know, I, I'll check the social media waves to see what, you know, both of these, uh, you know, guys are saying, but, you know, I, I just don't know, man. It's uh. It's a little bit of a mess, but I think you know it's got to be something where it's
2: gonna be uh, straightened out a little bit, man. I feel as though like I don't really care about sparring, so I kind of agree with y'all. Like, there's no reason to put it put it out. It, and look who you know. It's like Ivan Redcats. Really, like, what type of clout are you pulling by 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 showing it? So to me, like first of all it's sparring, I don't really care too much about it, but because because it's who it was, it's like y'all disrespecting somebody who, you know, giving you some type of work. Even if you dominating them, even if you're not them, whatever the case may be, he's giving you quality work at a high for a guy at a high weight. And it's just like are you really you know getting more likes because it's ever uh Ivan Ray catch? Like what is the point of doing? You know, doing all that on well, Avin's side. At first, it was like, ah, yeah, yeah, I, you know, you recorded. You should have showed all of it. But then he goes back and says, you know, uh, well, fuck you and your team. You know, um, you know, I hope you lose your next fight or whatever. It's just like, man, it's, it's it's useless, really. I don't know. There's nothing to take from it to me for either side. It's just like there's no point of none of this. Well, I mean, it's
0: like now uh <laughs> the uh response that uh came off from you know the other day is like uh you know like they're gonna you know do the whole you know, do the whole training session live. But it said uh you know it, it looks like yeah, they got like a, a back and forth because uh, they said, like, um, you know, Tank Davis said, what was it about 24 hours ago? They said, yeah, they're going to run it back mo- uh, Monday and they're going live with it. And, you know, <laughs> a few hours later, you know, Red Cash puts up a post saying that, you know, they weren't you know supposed to be recorded, but, you know, they recorded like the best uh, 30 seconds uh, within the uh, sixth round, you know, thing. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a little bit of interest in, in reference to this, but, you know, as far as, like, what, what will come out of it, I'm not sure. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens one day. Um are they going to be? I don't even know where they're going to be at. It's probably somewhere in, you know, Baltimore or whatnot. Uh, you know, I think, what was it, like Coach Cal that's with with, with uh, Tank Davis or something like that. So, I don't know. It's going to be recorded in some some shape, form, or fashion with that. So, I mean, that's that's why I got a uh, reference to that. But you know, we am going to um, you know put in the close to this particular episode of the Boston Source Radio Show. Uh, big thanks for Austin, No Doubt for coming in uh, when he can, uh, when he did to you know kind of like explain you know what's going on there between him and the WBO. Um, we'll see that he'll get that win. Uh, you know, in the courts, so he can get paid. Because who cares about getting a who cares about getting ranking there in the WBO? Just go ahead and get that bread, man. You know, so um, you know that's that's all I got for this uh, particular episode. Uh, be sure to catch the uh, next one here coming up on uh, July 19th, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time. And like I said, at the end of every show, point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not understand the trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.
1: Bomb squad, Matt. All right, (laughs)
0: fellas.
1: Oh, 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 (laughs) God. Tell him I said this. I'm going to tweet him real quick. (laughs) Later, man.